Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? We're back off summer holidays and with me as always is my good friend Baz. How are you doing Baz? Gorgeous, suntanned, bronzed. Some of the many things people weren't saying about me this week when I came back from holiday. What can I say? Are those identifiers on your new D&D character? Yeah, exactly. Those are my adjectives. That's my fake character <laughs> in its entirety. <laughs> I could do anything with that. I could punch people really hard because I'm bronze. Man of bronze. Uh, no, I'm all, right. I'm all right, thank you, mate. How are you? It seems like a long time. Yeah, it has. It has been. But we're back once again. I'll not start that song anything. <laughs> no, that started a bit of a, a thing. It did. There's every chance we might have to seed, um, I don't know, something like the the Urban Cookie Collective might have to seed the <laughs> oeuvre into our games from now on. 90s terrible <laughs> dance acts. What we should probably do is go back to the start, because we've had a break, and I think this week we should talk about starter sets, because that came out of uh, one of the recent discussions we had with our good friend Matt Hart and others, mm. and some certainly some people online have been talking about this, and it seems to be something that games companies are now embracing i was i didn't know if they say embracing again for the first time but it's definitely become a thing hasn't it that now most of the main game producers seem to have uh, an urge to bring out a starter set yeah and good because they've been missing for ages because uh, they were ubiquitous way 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 back and uh, and then you couldn't get a box set for love nor money for the 90s and the noughties and beyond and uh, yeah they're coming back out now there's a little flurry and uh, there's always been a couple around but now there's a there's a bunch of new ones coming and um, I think gamers have uh, are not sure, not not shy, sorry, of expressing their opinions on most things. But starter sets is definitely one of those issues. It's a bit of a hot button topic for people. People are quite quite strong minded about uh, about what they think a starter set a starter set should contain, uh, what it shouldn't contain, which ones are good, which ones are not good. But generally speaking, I think people want more of them, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've not got Matt with us this time. He probably tells us lots about commercials of that. And lost leaders yeah. and things, so that that's probably something we can ask him at a later date in terms of certainly with the production values and what you get in the, the amount of value you get in a starter set does make mm. me wonder how much the game companies are getting out of them and whether they're just there to bring people in rather than being profitable in and of themselves. But with that to one side, because we more want to talk about the games, we've mm. frequently said previously haven't we, with games if they don't have a sample adventure in which tells you how the game should work, that feels like a missed opportunity and, and leaves us feeling a little bit like what do you do with this game? Mm. But I think that's certainly a good vehicle for starter sets is that apart from all the other things you might have there, just having a starter adventure in is a golden opportunity to show people what your game's about and the things you might do. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, starter adventures, have, uh, they've, they've always been something I'm really passionate about, despite not including one in King of Dungeons. Uh, mostly because I didn't think I'd be able to do it justice. Um, I'm working on some. They're coming, don't worry. But uh, I think starter adventures are a really big, important part of, uh, of of a game as to whether it gets played or not. Simple as that. I think if you provide people with starter adventures, they are more likely to do that, and then the chances of you continuing with that game on your roster are just going to be higher. Um, the thing is, there's it's not a really long, glorious list of cracking starter adventures for any game in the history of gaming. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a real kind of a, it's a it's a it's a tough tough bar to clear to get a classic one out there. And you want to put a good one in your starter set, don't you? Because that's hopefully going to be like your evergreen product, and it's going to be the one that everybody sees and the, and the adventure that everybody plays. Um, but yeah, uh, companies have struggled with that element. Um, but I think they're getting better now, and there are some good ones now 
available. Some really good ones, actually. Yeah, so I think high bar of that, start talking about perhaps some of the sets that are out there, is that the Call of Cthulhu starter set mm-hmm. has, um, it's, it's book one, is a solo adventure alone against the flames. So you, as the GM, without any of your players spoiling it, can <laughs> go through a little adventure. And it sets the ideas around how you pick your stats and the mood of the game and what it's all about and that kind of thing as a little thing you can play through. So rather than just an example of play, it's an example literally of you playing the game because you play it. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, and then later on in the box, as you dig down, you've actually got a set of tried and tested adventures, which obviously you need a game like Cthulhu that's got a long, rich background to be able to do that, to, to just deal back through the the past and work out what your best stuff is and do a greatest hits and or produce new things. Um, but that's probably one of the high watermarks of these starter sets in terms of having good adventures. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that's a good blend of what you want the adventures to do in, the, in certain terms. You kind of want it to be like a learning level or um, the tutorials you get in video games or something which teaches you how to play. But then equally, you want to have a good game as well. So it's, it's got the mix of the two, which is possibly where some of the sets uh, fall down a little bit. Yeah, you got I think we have to ask ourselves what is the starter set, a good starter set in our opinion, trying to achieve. And it may sound really obvious, might it? It's like, well, it's the way you get started with this game. But there's mm. there, there's quite a lot you'd have to unpack behind that, because you know we've we've asserted that a decent adventure is a bit of a must in a starter set, and I think that's absolutely right. But equally, you could have the opinion that your starter set is supposed to be a taster for the main game, and that. And that part of the game is coming up with your own adventures. And, you know, like if we think about a game like Apocalypse World, that doesn't really have a starter set. It's hard to imagine one existing for it. Could you could you put an adventure in that? So if you're thinking properly trad, mate, I think you're absolutely right. The Call of Cthulhu starter set is a cracker. It's really good. Um, but it, it's, um, it, it's plowing a, re- a really almost a narrow thorough with its, with its, uh, with its contents. Um, it's the same same sort of thing as the D and D starter sets have done, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit more depth because there's a few more things to look at with those ones, uh, or Pathfinder beginner boxes, and uh, that's interesting as well because they they have really good adventures to get you to kind of learn the game and get you started in there. But they call it a beginner box rather than a starter set, mm. and, and I think that's a subtle there's a subtle difference in that. Um, I mean, I don't have the Call of Cthulhu one, mate. Does it give you what what people call a full game? Because I've seen that criticism levelled at plenty of D and D starters in the past that would take you from like level one to three. They feel that's a not the whole game for you. Uh, it, it gives you enough. I mean, obviously the the main game is a, a big two volume slipcase, so mm. you're not going to get the same level of detail that you would in that. Um, I don't I don't know whether you want a full game or not. I think all the, all the um, the starter sets I've seen, so this includes Warhammer and Legend of the Five Rings and stuff like that, they give you a, a version of the game mm. and enough to play. And I think that's fine. I don't think you need... To, I don't know. You see, one of the weird things i found about these starter sets or beginner boxes or whatever you want to call them, uh, and I'm as much a bolt in as anybody else is on this, is that other experienced people that we know are also buying them. Yeah. So although they're arguably set at people who are new to the hobby or are new to that particular game or something like that, Everyone I know, for example, who's into Warhammer has looked at the Warhammer box and gone, "Oh yeah, I'm having that." And it, you know, it's that kind of it's the same for Cthulhu that I think their starter set was the thing that sold out first at Gen Con and that mm. kind of thing. Like people are rushing to buy these things because they, you know, they seem to have value, even though probably a lot of the content 
people already know if you're an experienced person for that game but it's still got a lot of attraction like i don't know whether it's buying I'm trying to think of a, an example like perhaps back in the day when i was buying nirvana albums and the, there was like some limited edition japanese import cd that came out mm-hmm. with six tracks on it which were six tracks i'd already got obviously because they had many new songs but i bought it because i wanted that extra version of the thing that i already had so i don't know if there's a, an element of collectorism about it but um yeah i don't think they need to be complete games from that perspective i think they're just more bling and extra stuff that people want to buy and i don't know i can't really articulate my own desire either i kind of want to buy them all as well and i don't but that yeah that, but that, if you... that's kind of what i was getting at with the difference between a beginner box and a starter set you see the pathfinder beginner boxes which i rate very highly are, are literally for people who are not just starting pathfinder but they're written for people like um you never played a role-playing game before, but you've heard about stuff with wizards and minotaurs. This will teach you how to do it. And then at the end of that, you can go on to buy the main game. Um, right. So it's it's, a, it's an on-ramp. Whereas, as you say, mate, starter set for Warhammer, that seems to me to be um, for everybody who's currently a gamer who wants to try Warhammer. I don't, I don't know if that's if, if it's exactly the same as a beginner set. So it does work for veterans. And why wouldn't a company make it available they don't surely they don't care who buys it but um why not make it accessible <laughs> to, to veterans you know because you're right I, i've picked up a few starter sets in, in in my time and 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 i'm flicking past that bit where it's introducing me to the world of role playing which we've discussed before i think there may be you know that that's uh that's something that probably isn't necessarily if you're trying to if you're trying to teach someone what role playing is in the starter set, and you're trying to make it an onboard ramp for experienced role players who want to try that game, you're trying to serve a couple of masters. I think that's maybe where they come a bit unstuck. Yeah, it, that's probably what we could do with knowing the commercials in that sense, where you say that mm. um, they don't care who buys it because if, if they're losing five dollars in every box, then they probably do care. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but assuming they at least break even, if, if not make a little bit of profit. Which hopefully they do, um, yeah. Like so, the Cthulhu, as you, as you mentioned, it, it it gives you the starter rules they call them. So mm. it's not the the full blown rules, but it's so even if you buy that, you're still gonna have to buy Cthulhu at some point if right. if you're gonna get into it seriously. I guess you could carry on with the starter rules as long as you wanted if you wanted to play that brief kind of game. But I think most people want the proper game in inverted commas and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I suppose it's the the quality of what you get sometimes could be the thing. So um, I don't know that I think companies are still finding their feet with these these sort of sets. Mm. And um, if I could mention a couple of little niggles about things that some people have said. So, for example, the Cthulhu starter set, you get a set of dice that go with it, including an, an extra one yeah. for the um, the extra detail when you get advantage disadvantage. I think. Um, but to fit that in, they've sort of made the box a little bit bigger. Ah. So the box is about an inch taller than all the other stuff in the product line and probably all the other books you've got on your shelf. Right. So it just looks a bit weird, doesn't fit right. But it's, mm. it's hard to complain about that because you've got some free dice. But like, <laughs> like there's a decision there so at some point, isn't there, when they like they pack this box full of stuff and then they have the dice and went, oh, I can't shut the lid <laughs> or something. Yeah. Or like, yeah. It's like, do we go wider or taller or... Do we have to redesign the box now? Like, how much is this going to cost? Or do we take yeah. a book out so we can fit them in? I mean, there must be an element of companies sort of like trying to work out how these things work. Well, dice is dice is the is the killer the killer app, isn't it? Of starter sets, 
So, yeah. um, because it, clearly, if you are a veteran gamer, you actually don't need the set of polyhedrals that the D&D starter set gives you. You, you. you clearly don't need them. We don't need any dice, but you're going to want them. I get that. You want them all. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's fine. And and every time I've bought all of the D&D starter sets and got a new set of polyhedrals at every single one, and I've given them to friends and relatives or stuck them in the bottom of a dice bag, it's fine. Um, but it, it makes the starter set really good value as well, because mm. you could drop a reasonable amount of money on a set of polyhedrals for any game and when you start looking at fantasy flight games and their starter sets you you really you're buying a dice set if you're a veteran gamer aren't you you're buying the dice <laughs> yeah. and you're getting a bunch of cardboard for free with it and it, and at that point you should really like apologize to the person you're buying it from because yeah, this isn't really for me in fact you can keep all that stuff have you got a bin because i just <laughs> i just want those bits <laughs> yeah so yeah, certainly with FFG with their their strange dice, I I bought uh, Legend of the Five Rings recently, and I bought the starter set as well. Yeah, um, because it had a set of <laughs> dice in it, and the dice are fifteen quid, and the starter set was like whatever twenty two quid. It was like so yeah. I'm paying seven quid for whatever faff there is because I know I'm going to buy the dice. So meh, I'll buy the starter set. Let's see what I get. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's the same for the Star Wars stuff. It's like the Star Wars starter packs have got you know highly highly reviewed, well thought of. Let's put it that way. Um. But still, once you bought that, you play it. You play the beginner box. You think this is great, but you've then got to go buy the game. Mm-hmm. And then one die set's not really enough in those FFG games. You need an extra die set just to have the right number of blue dice or whichever it is that you you need to roll, etc. So yeah. I don't know in two minds. So another example of something actually was um, the Numenera uh, starter set or box set, whatever it was called. And they give you uh, a D twenty and a D six, which is all you need to play the game. Mm. But they look like cheap rubbish ones probably because they are cheap uh, but on the Numenera site there's like an official branded Numenera D20 and you, you do sort of have to ask yourself it's like why don't you put that branded D20 in the box mm. and the obvious answer probably is that because you can sell some of the branded D20 afterwards once they bought the starter yes. set and they, they want the special one if you give it to them in the starter thing then they've already got it um, but it feels like a little bit of a um, if you if you're buying into a game, you want the real, you want the genuine stuff, don't you? you want the branded kit, you want all the yes. flashy things. I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you know, publishers. I, mean, I applaud them for doing starter sets again. I think it is a good thing that they exist, and I don't yeah. know if there's a magic answer to exactly what the ingredient list should be. It's very easy to be picky, isn't it? As you say, mate. Oh yeah. But and dice is one of those things. If someone did a starter set and it didn't have dice in it, there'd be uproar. I mean, I'd be perfectly happy with it. I've got dice. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I really have. (laughs) I play Dungeon Crawl's classics despite not owning any D7s. Although people say that you've got to have them. It's all right. I can can generate random numbers fairly trivially. Um, So, you know, I'm not worried about that personally. But I know, I know that there'd be uproar. Um, So you you can't do that. So, you know, I mean, if you think about... uh, It might be a fun exercise to do this. If you think about games that don't have a starter set, but maybe they should have, what would go in it? If it was a World of Darkness one back in the 90s, you'd expect to have a clutch of D10s in there, wouldn't you? It would be very unusual if you didn't have that. Because I think back then in the 90s when people were getting into Vampire and it was getting into much broader uh, popular uh, media uh, and the world was waking up to this, you couldn't assume that people had a clutch of D10s at home who were going to pick up this set. And if it was available in Woolworths, because it would have been Woolworths back then, or or Target in the States, you know, people aren't going to be picking up the the separate sprue of dice um, off off a hook next to a book. So that we, you'd have to have them in there. Um, yeah. 
So it's, it, I can't see you not having dice in there, but but the inclusion of dice is, is something that does a whole bunch of other things to the product, whether it makes the boxes bigger or it makes it six quid more expensive or it makes you think, oh, man, my, these are blue with gold letters. I wanted blue with silver letters. Ah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I think in all consciousness, if, you, if you've got something you call the starter set or a beginner box, it's got to have the stuff in there that allows you to start playing the game. Of the yeah. game, playing the game, you can't not have the dice because yeah. that's just that defeats the whole purpose of it. So I think it's perfectly fine. And you know, from my point of view, if you want to put relatively inexpensive dice in there, which just do the job, that's fine as well. Because nine times out of ten, the rules you're getting are the cheap version of the rules that allows you to get started but don't do the full job. So mm. that's all. That's all okay. But it is just a point of note. So there's yeah. I mean, so another thing is like um, in the new era box. I'll pick on them again. <laughs> they have um, they have a cheat sheet, which is good, but they only have one, and you kind of think, well, <laughs> I'm hoping to get more than one player, so it'd be nice if <laughs> you know, we all don't have to share. And that doesn't seem like a massive cost to put in several cheat sheets, or for example. Well, so there I, are other choices, and then the, the other side to that completely is the the Legend of the Five Rings stuff. Although some people have complained that the starter adventure in it's pretty. Weak. It's not. It really is training wheels. There's not like a lot mm. of adventure into it. Um, they do have extra downloadable content on the website, and they're doing that for all the books as well. Actually, yeah. so every time they release a supplement, you can go on the website and get a PDF of an extra adventure. So there's an idea of, of extra content you get, but that's whether or not you buy the starter set. Hmm. I, I can give you a weird counter example to your cheat sheet one because you're, you're right. It's rubbish that they haven't put like another few in there because um, that, that that's just sensible. Um, I've got a, a box set that possibly no one else in the world owns called Star Siege, which is the the space version of Castles and Crusades, and right. it was um, and it was done in a little box. Not, I don't think it's really set up as a starter kit. It was done up in kind of an homage to uh, the box sets of the original role playing games back in the eighties, where everything just came in a box naturally. It wasn't mm. always books, was it? But boxes kind of died away for reasons. Um, in Star Siege. They gave you four copies of the rules inside the box, so that wow. every player could have their own rule book. Now, yeah. That's what I call that's a that's a Brucey bonus. No wonder the game didn't do very well. <laughs> it, had like, it had one GM's guide and four rule books. <laughs> I think one set of dice, annoyingly, because they couldn't go all in on it. But yeah. you know, you wouldn't expect that actually. In fairness, would you? Although, when I think about, I talk about Pathfinder again because I think their beginners boxes are pretty good actually. You get, you get like your big fold out characters in there, and uh, and each one of those contains the cheat sheets and all of the bits you need for the rules for that character. So everybody has got stuff in front of them that they need to play. It, it's very good for that. What's um, what's quite interesting at the minute actually? We, we said we'd talk about D and D, so let's dip into that. I've heard the go on in the the explore explore was it exploration into the last mind of Philander or something like that? Whatever the adventure's called, I can't remember. <laughs> the lost mind of Fandelva. That's it. I don't even remember what it's called. Philandera. The Lost Flan of Philandera. <laughs> I wasn't particularly overwhelmed with it, to be honest. I think that's that's a, a fairly well-held uh, opinion as well. But there, there is other good stuff in there. And what's interesting right now is they've just released an Essentials kit as well. Yeah. Which, which feels like it's five years after the fact doing another starter set almost, but doing it yeah. in a different way. Which I think is an interesting concept. 
Yeah, it is. The uh, that that uh, D starter set with the Lost Mine of Fandelver in it is is pretty highly regarded for its adventure. Um, but I mean, that's oh, that's damning it with faint praise. It's an all right adventure, but you, those are quite hard to come by, as we discussed earlier. <laughs> so it is an all right adventure. It's more than all right. It's a good adventure, I would say. But it's not a classic. It's not a great. But it's absolutely fine as a jumping off port, and, it, and it's and it does a good job for that. There's loads of other issues I'd have with that box. I think the cover art is not particularly stunning. I think you know it's uh, half the box has got like a cardboard retainer in it. It's just dead space. The 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 materials in there are quite flimsy. They're like they're mm. like magazines, but without even a slightly thicker cover on them. Right. So you know they're they're all a bit prone to smudginess and they're a bit pamphlety. The production values were not great. The creativity in there is good. Production values weren't great. And the pre-gen characters, which I really really like, they give you everything not just the character you need to play. So they give you all the worksheet elements that we've talked about so many times before, which is just clutter for someone who's starting to play. Yeah. Um, so it's it was a long way short of being a great starter set, but it's but it stood the test of time for five years, and it's been recommended all the time, and I still recommend it to this day, because I think for the price, it's a really good onboard. Um, but Essentials, as you say, mate, is like another stab at it from a slightly different tangent, so different set of adventures. So immediately, I'm interested in buying it. Um, more <laughs> dice, so it gives you it gives you enough d6s that you can roll your stats, which seems like a weird step for modern D and D. Yeah. So there's four, there's four d6 in there, whereas the original starter set had just had one d6. So I, I guess it's on because it's encouraging you to roll strength, roll dexterity, etc. Which people do still do that, but they're weird. Uh, so it's got that. <laughs> It's it's got a bard in the pregens, which is a niche decision that again appeals to me. But I'm, I've got a minority opinion on bards, and I know that I have. I mean, sticking a bard in there, I think it's a great idea. But I know that people go, "What a bard!" You got your classic four and a bard. Yeah, I don't know. I've they're kind of like a much maligned class, the bard, aren't they? So I can see yeah. why you put one in to try and improve its uh, game a little bit, or you know, <laughs> just give it better PR. <laughs> but um, I don't know I, th- I think the only time I've, I've really come across a bard done in a way that I thought was really good was in a game of Hellfrost in Savage Worlds type stuff where um, mm. Bears wanted a, a, like an Icelandic skald like the old Viking style singing songs and doing stuff like that with drinking horns yeah. which seemed to and he, he started bringing all kinds of like real world history into it which made it sound cool uh-huh. I think the trouble is with bards most of the time is people think of someone effeminate with a lute who just sing songs to encourage other people and thinks of order of the stick and things like that don't they yeah yeah well uh, yeah people our age do i suspect the reason there's a bard in there is because of streaming i suspect they put in what they call uh in scare quotes a social character that's what that's mm, there for maybe they, they want someone who's there to do all the chatting in pubs for three hours that, that's, <laughs> that some actual plays uh do i think that's why it's there um maybe uh, I think that you know it's like uh, what sort of character do you want to play, and you know people of our vintage would would think um, would think fighter. People who brought up on World of Warcraft would think tank. People who brought up on streaming might think uh, I don't know. I don't know what they would think, but they would have a different name for it. But you know they want the chatty one, perhaps, or they wouldn't even call it the support character, would they? Whereas we, whereas I think what we would have done back in the day is we would we would have layered social abilities over the top of other options. Because yeah, people would think maybe. you know that anyone yeah. can chat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Well, the other interesting thing I think about that uh, essentials thing is a, a one-on-one rules variant. Yeah. So that you can just yeah. play with your mate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something I see on the internet quite a bit where people saying like, you know, me and my mate want to get into D&D. How do we do that? How do we get a group? What can't find anyone. How do we play? So it's, it's interesting that they've included that as something that, I don't know, a pair of siblings or just a couple of friends can actually get into D&D without the need for a massive group of people. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's nicely done, and the idea of like having like you know um, some hirelings, uh, which harkens back to original D and D, but just putting some stuff in it for fifth edition, so you can actually have like you know one person can play a couple of characters. Um, they, they've not done a fantastic job of streamlining that. It's basically <laughs> you are now running two characters, <laughs> but well, you know why not? But yeah, it's but it's another box set, um, and I'm glad it's out there, and it's called Essentials which is an interesting use of terminology because obviously they can't use starter sets. So they're keeping the original starter set out there. As far as I'm aware, these two things will be available simultaneously. Um, maybe the original starter will go. Yeah, you've got the Stranger Things starter set as well. They're rubbish. Mm, okay. <laughs> Stop saying the fans and say what you really think. <laughs> they're really bad. Sorry, Wizards. Those, oh man! I didn't get well. I did hear that it wasn't as good as the original starter set. Let's put it that way. No, it's, it's just such a strange thing to do. I mean, and talk about late as well. I mean, oh god, it, it was probably a really good idea. Maybe it took that long to develop and get out and licensing and whatever. I, I don't know, but it, it did seem like a, you know, that that horse has already left the stable. I mean, there's just weird decisions in there, like putting. There's two miniatures in in that starter set for the demogorgon. One's painted and one's not. What was that about? What? You know, you talked about dice earlier and how like that's obviously a major decision point as to what sort of dice we put in there. Who thought that putting two demogorgons in there would a good idea? But as long as one of them's painted, that's just bizarre. Are they selling paints? They are not. You know, your point about you want the stuff in the game ready to play. Well, cool. We'll put some other miniatures in there then. Put some characters in there if you're going to make it miniatures. Yeah, that's just it's just a weird one. This thing cannot be designed to be played. This thing's designed to be like kept in shrink wrap and like some kind of collector's item. It's not really a starter set, is it? It's a merchandise. Yeah, maybe, but that's probably the best way of looking at it, actually. Okay, forget I mentioned that then. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, if you did buy that and that was going to be your your, I, I want to get into D and D. I've seen Stranger Things. I'll pick it up. Oh look, there's a Stranger Things version. People will have bought that in order to try and learn how to play D and think, I think they've been done a poor service. Okay. Subface. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it for the Demogorgon. <laughs> Demogorgons, yeah. Yeah. There's two of them. Well, you can't even put two in a scenario, can you? <laughs> Jesus, they're unique characters. You can't use them both. Literally. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, well. So... That, that's a good example of something we don't want in our starter set. And we, we've kind of picked away at various bits and pieces that are in others. So if we were going to make a starter set for a game, or we had the opportunity to feed in to make our ideal one, yeah. I think the main question is, so what should be in there? Mm-hmm. So we, we think probably dice. And you need I think we probably do, yeah. At least a starter version of the rules to get you playing. Yeah. I would argue probably as full as you can make it without overregging it. Yeah, I would. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think so too. This this takes us back to the D and D starter sets again. Just generally, that they tend to go like one to three, one to five. In fourth edition, there was one that did levels one and two bizarrely, 
and and everyone always compares them back to the red boxes of the uh, early 80s mm. which were you know they only went up to one to three but of course back in those days getting three levels in D could take you years so there was like a lifetime of gaming and the expert set went to like 14 or something so you know that's what that's what i was talking about before with the full game people expect you to get level like levels one to 20 in a starter set which you might be asking a bit much yeah um wizards do it online that's how they provide that outlet i suppose mm. but yeah what how much of the game do you put in it i mean it, it obviously it depends on the game but if we were thinking like you know vampire which we would briefly talked about before which is now again in isn't it so you know we could talk about that even in modern day sense what would a vampire starter set look like well i suppose you'll have to tell me but if they still have things like clans you would have fewer of them in there perhaps maybe just a handful instead of the wider range of options but would you go to the full depth of giving them i don't know is it still up to five dots in stuff however that works <laughs> yeah yeah it is um, so I think there's only about seven clans off the top of my head. That's how it was back in the Masquerade, anyway. So let's say seven. Um, but there's there's a bunch of other stuff like Thin Blooded and all the rest of it. So you can immediately ditch all that. There's a lot of background material and things that just don't need to be there. I think, it, in my view, would be it'd be quite easy to cut that game down and still have. I think you're right. Actually, you probably wouldn't have all the clans. You'd have whatever five starting characters or whatever, whatever number you pick. And make them each a different clan, and there'll mm. be enough on those sheets to say to tell you what that clan was about. So the character yep. sheets should contain the information you need about that clan, without you needing an extra, I don't know, four pages or something. If you start a booklet to explain the clans to you, you should just be able to say, read the back of these character sheets, and that gives you enough about that particular area of the game. Sure. So you go a little bit narrower, but do you go just as deep? Do you still put in like you know if it was D and D would you go to level twenty? No, not for a start. I mean, even with the disciplines and stuff like that, which you probably pick which disciplines you gave people and how many dots they had in them, and said these are the powers for those right dots. Yeah. And if you want to advance your characters, you might do a thing. This that's something. Mm, yeah, I mean two minds. So really, you want people to go to the main book after that to look at mm-hmm. the options. But you could just have like a little call-out box or an extra bit going when you want to level up, upgrade, get experience, whatever you want to call it. Here's the extra options that you'll get. So pick some of these from these options and do it that way. Right. And, and kind of like have a level up sheet or something mm-hmm. with some options on and say pick one of these and two of them or whatever else. Or stick a dot here and a dot in that column. Yeah, so it's sort of like a, a, a slightly half-baked up already so with some decision points already made and, and if- Fewer options, but options nonetheless. See, I, I don't think I don't think you need character creation. I, I think character creation should not be in in a starter set, which is no, potentially right. controversial. So I don't think you need the full character creation rules because if you if you take those out, you give yourself so much more room to display the game to a starter. And then it's an obvious upsell, isn't it? Like go and get the full game if you want to generate your own characters from scratch and you've got better ideas or things that you want to do. We we, yeah. we can accommodate that. But for this, like his his fighty dude, and and his clever dudette, and you can still change things and scratch off different dots and move stuff around. But if you you can immediately drop an awful lot of uh, real estate from what you've got to put in that book if you take out character creation. Yes, it's, um, it's a bit of a, a sacred cow, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's fair though. I think drop it. Well, allowing some flexibility, like we said. So. 
you could have if you're having fighty dude in our vampire game that we're creating uh, you could say do you want to be Trenchcoat and Katana root or do you want to be mm. Twin Uzi's root or what you know, or whatever it is and say pick one of these and then pick up this bolt on to go on your character and you get to yeah. do these things to give someone some chance and flavour it a little bit how they want but without the full on mechanics of how all that works under the hood you just do all the working out for them yeah. and go put this on top of your other sheet based on your option yeah, you see, my ideal uh, contents for a starter box would essentially be a convention game in a box. Yes, everything everything yeah, that that right. involves, including like any crafted materials you might need for the scenario that you're doing, and, and maybe you could go bigger than that, and maybe have two or three scenarios in there, like you were talking about with Call of Cthulhu. But everything you need to play those scenarios and role play in that world, that's it. But character creation which we've discussed before about conventions is rarely a good idea, certainly from scratch. But if you've got a con game in a box, that would be terrific. In fact, I'd like to, I'd like to buy my scenarios that way. That's what I would really like is, is for published scenarios to be done as a little box set, which would then double up as a starter. You know, you think about um, probably the best starter set that the hobby has ever had People often say it's like the, the 80s red box. I don't think it is. I think it's a fighting fantasy book, which had mm. character creation in it, funnily enough. But you could pick up any one of those, but you had like 50 different opportunities to play a complete game. Yes. In, well, well, it wasn't a box. It was in a book, but it was very similar. It was pick up. It was almost disposable. Once you'd done it, you wouldn't necessarily go back to it. You would just pick up another one. Mm. I think I, I'd, I'd love to see that available. I'd love to be able to go into... Uh, a game store and, and and feed my D and D obsession by picking modules off of the shelf that were done in little boxes like that. That'd be super cool. Yeah, so that, I mean that's some of the stuff that's in some of these um, sets that we've already mentioned. Um, so, for example, the Legend of the Five Rings, or and this is for all the FFG stuff as well. Actually, is that you get mm. scenarios with a map and then uh, like the pop out press out tokens for characters cool. and NPCs and stuff like that, and that's. That's an interesting one because it might be for a game that you don't really think about using miniatures or having a board or anything like that kind of thing. Yeah. But they provide you with that stuff anyway. Uh, I don't know whether that's because FFG primarily seem to do board games and card games and all that kind of stuff, and it's just a natural extension. Certainly the way I'm finding Five Rings to read at the minute feels like instructions for a card game or something mm-hmm. rather than a role-playing game, if you know what I mean. Even the, the starter set bit of it, Feels very much like I'm reading how to learn how to play Netrunner rather than like a cool way of playing a game almost. Cool, which means yeah. that it'll be, it'll be correct. I'll learn to play that game in the right way as the designer intended, if you know what I mean. So, mm. if that's the design goal, then I think that definitely works. Um, uh, but that might be something I'm butting my head against being more experienced and wanting to skip to the end. That could, you know, a lot of the language being used, I can think, yeah, I know what this all means. You, you put too many words around it. <clears throat> but I'm perhaps coming at it from the point of view of someone who knows all those words already from other games. I have a, I have quite a few of the Fantasy Flight Star Wars beginners boxes, um, and they they go heavy on bling as well. And I, and I think that's a good decision. They've obviously got the manufacturing capability, haven't they? And mm. uh, and and they provide you with battle mats and cool pictures of the Millennium Falcon and and uh, pog type counters. And you're right, it's stuff you wouldn't necessarily use in the game, but it's nice to have them. And when you pop them out on the table and you get everybody around, um, and again, you know, we're not starters, we're not beginners into the hobby, but with the really experienced guys around my table, we've popped out all of that stuff onto the table, and it's kind of helped set the scene a little bit. 
Mm. So really, it comes back to what I'm saying. It's kind of a starter for that game rather than a starter for the hobby. And I think, I think yeah, if you're going to have, if a starter set's going to be in a box, um, then you need to fill the box. Pathfinder do that incredibly well. They put flip mats in there and all of the pawns and all the plastic bases and every monster that's mentioned in there, um, not just the ones for the scenario. They're really deep, heavy resources that you can then take on to your main game later on and you will still use it, you know, months, years down the line. Whereas I think the, the ones we talk about with Fantasy Flight, as nice as they are, they are a bit more disposable. And also the boxes themselves are made out of the kind of cardboard that cereal packets are made out of. Yeah. The Star Wars ones, bro, they were so flimsy. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, the advice of the Five Rings one is to keep the, the big stocky insert you get because otherwise the box yeah. will fall apart. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking through one of the character sheets you get actually with that set, which is nice from the point of view that it's got. Um, I'll show it you. The listeners at home can't see, but it's got a full page. Oh, that's front. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's like two pages about your clan, the code of Bushido, um, playing your character, what's currently happening to your character. Yeah, which is all fine, but two sides of a forgery before you get to your character seems a bit much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like you say, it's got the, the full list of skills and things and then how to perform checks and stuff, which is another two sides of A4 and clean your character. And then more stuff on the back for if you want to advance and how to spend experience points and then a back cover. So it's nice, it's colourful, it contains all you need, there's plenty to read, mm. but on the other hand, as an introduction, it's, it's eight sides of A4, yeah. which feels heavy for me. So if we were making our perfect box set... I'd probably suggest that needs to be half the size, if not less. Yeah. Yeah, and the best ones I've seen have been that way, mate. So four sides of A4, and the cover's a massive picture. Yeah. <laughs> and the back and the back cover is like a paragraph of text that you could read out when the GM says introduce your character if you wanted, or you could skim that and just say what you wanted. Yeah. And then the inside is like, so the inside would be a double-page spread, but it would have in the middle of it the character sheet and then annotated sidebars. Mm. Those are the best ones I've seen. So it's a bit like a player mat, and that's something that I would like to see more of in, yeah. in Star Boys. Player mats and GM mats. Not screens, but mats, because board gaming, since while we weren't looking in the, in the role-playing hobby, board gaming mastered this stuff and just Good. made really, really good components to enable people to play the games and make it look funky. Uh, and RPGs are still peddling black and white photocopied character sheets that have to be four pages long <laughs> to include all your feats and, and a weirdly shaped dice and double demogorgon that no one was asking for. So, you know, I think I think I think the RPG industry, FFG do it really well. They've got a long way to go on their bling factor. And that's what you need in you need to have stuff that is designed for an experience at the table. Whereas role playing books are designed for you to generate everything else yourself. Fine, but you can't expect a starter to do that. Yeah. No, I think it's a very good point. It's something we've mentioned before that the OSI team seem to do quite well uh, in terms of looking for usability at the table, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's their books or whatever else. But certainly their adventures are similar with that map-type experience with a big map in the middle and then notes all the way around the outside about what happens yeah. on that map. Um, yeah, so that's that's a really good thought. I think we should have something like that. And if you, the other thing is if you've got that flat on the table as well, it means other players can have a bit of a lean over and see what you're all about as well. Correct. And what you're getting up yeah. to. Um, yeah. Especially there's a bit of a picture there and some of the bits and pieces. Okay, yeah, that's good. Absolutely. 
I mean, you know, and speaking of the OSR, I think the OSR, uh, I mean, the OSR isn't an industry, so it probably doesn't have the wherewithal to produce lavish box sets, but they can produce some very lavish uh, artisanal books when they want to. But I, but when you think about box sets, you don't think of very many. The Black Hack, second edition, does a very nice little box set. I don't think you could call it a starter set. I might be wrong on that one. I'll probably have to investigate a bit further. Uh, our mate Paul um, does the Cthulhu hack. He puts together little boxes for those, and he does really nice little uh, combination sets, I would call that, of like, you know, some gear to get you going, which has got all the bits and pieces in it. But there's not much other thinking from the OSR about the starter set. I, I, I suspect probably because of where they're coming from, that's that's not the vector that they're looking for, is it? New gamers, and, you know, they don't have like a business model that, that's going looking for that that segment. Uh, no, well, I guess the OSR things tend to be complete games, don't they? Yeah. In in the size that you would get for one of these other big boys, start sets we're talking about. By the time you've got a 64-page booklet and some dice and some other bits, that's like an entire game in, mm-hmm. for a lot of independent publishers. So you've basically got the whole thing, including the campaign, at that point. Yeah. So so it'd be tough for them to that to narrow that down into anything more, anything less rather than what you get anyway. Um, sure. Except for maybe, you know, people do sort of one sheet mini scenarios and things like that. It's probably the thing you could have, but hmm. yeah, I think from a from an independent publisher point of view, you're getting all you're getting anyway. There's no point trying to cut it down anymore. Certainly, the price yeah. price they charge. Yeah, it could be, could be. I mean, um, Necrotic Gnome have done their basic and essential stuff. Their old school essentials. They put that back into a box to make it loads of little pamphlets and stuff. But that's you know, I hope they'll forgive me for saying it. it's a nostalgia product represented mm. it's not you know it's not designed for new guys i'm just thinking about stuff like uh you know some of the, the reasonably big names that i don't think have a starter set you, you correct me i'm sure uh, i don't think there's a, a starter set for fate i mean it's got fate accelerated but that's that's like a little book there isn't a box that's got fate chips in it and fate dice i don't think um no, savage worlds so. doesn't have a starter set does it with with a wild dice in it and some one shots and and the bits that you would need to play Savage Worlds? No, I think both of those games seem to do it more in the downloadable content point of view in that there's just stuff out there on the internet. And you can buy fake dice, for example, and specific wild die as well. Perhaps, I don't know, it's missing a trick, or they just, I don't know. Would they they generate interest? That's an interesting thought about whether if they put together a little pack, like, Mm. you know, your relatives buy your whatever... A, a deodorant, a talcum powder, or whatever else in a box that, yeah. that you don't need at Christmas. Maybe doing something like that for RPGs might sell. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or just a gift set. <laughs> you want fake dice, don't you? So, like, yeah. you definitely think they'd go together, even if it was just a tube of them shrink wrapped to the main book or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, I, you know, because that, that's coming from your point about like it's the big trad games that maybe need a slimmed down version for a starter set. But I am thinking that there are some games that you do need to go and collect a few things before you can get a game on. Those those would be two examples. Um, and you know, but, but you in, maybe you're right, mate. Maybe I'm, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out if like something like, for example, some of this is formatting, but could Blades in the Dark benefit from a starter? Now, Blades in the Dark is quite a hefty book to read from from scratch, and it's quite deep, and there's quite a lot in it. Um, and it gives you some starting situations, but it doesn't give you a starting adventure. It doesn't need funky dice, but it's but fans have gone to loads of trouble to make like a, a, a kind of beginner's package for a game like that. 
Mm. Um, and you know, I'm not expecting Evil Hatton for John Harper to go and do that, but 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 would that be something that that would pique people's interest, or is it just like? Do you need to have that? Is it because maybe there's not much of a step from that starter to the full game? Does there need to be a differentiation between the full game and the starter? Do you need to have both, and there needs to be some gap between them? Mm, probably not. I think a starter would be more accessible. You 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 kind of look at the book and think, do I need to read all this? And it's not yeah. immediately clear. So there's there's definitely a way you could approach. People trying to play that type of game by insisting that you make characters at the table and then making uh, scores around what the characters are and that kind of stuff. But I think True. there is there is something there for having some pre-generated characters with an idea of what the score is going to be or mm. options for three or four scores and the players pick one and then you go and do it. Um, but because the game itself is quite flexible in how much you zoom in or out of a score and that kind of thing, it'd be tough to script scenarios but you could definitely like create stronger setups to get people going immediately into action yeah um but it's 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 tough with that sort of thing i, I think the other thing from the, the sort of producer's point of view is blade i think band of blaze is just sort of hit shelves now or digital yeah. shelves certainly uh, and there's still a bunch more of stretch goals to come so before they think about a starter set or slumming down they've still got i don't know however many probably half a dozen more books to write that are stretch goals from the original Kickstarter, so there's probably a lot of effort going into that rather than thinking about how do we get people into the game, maybe. Oh, yeah, agreed. It's just theorising, you know, about mm. what sort of games might, and how would they present a starter set. And, and I think you're right, Matt. I think that if a game, if a game has 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 is problematic to do published adventures for, it's problematic to do a starter set for it because yeah. the starter set needs to have adventures, and. Um, and some of the games like, for example, Apocalypse World or Blades in the Dark, I find it quite difficult to imagine buying an adventure off a shelf for that game. And that's one of the components that we would have in our ideal starter set, isn't it? It's like, give me the game to play. Yeah. I think another interesting example of of a production model is the the Free League guys, the Free League, um, mm-hmm. who I've done Mutant Year Zero and Tales from the Loop and all that kind of stuff. Because they're Kickstarters seem to be almost like starter sets, but with all the full stuff. They do so actually, yeah. I yeah. got things from the flood, and I like it. It didn't seem that much more money to get like a dice tray, a set of dice, gem screen, an extra adventure, something else. It was like you got yeah. a lot of stuff for the money. I don't know how quite how they do it, but you seem to get a lot of value. It's worth buying the the extra bits, but you get that with the main game. So yeah. there's. There's not much point in them doing a starter set, I don't think, just because they cram so much value into the main proposition. Um, the the other alternative to that would be what they've done with the Alien RPG, which is due out. Is they if you pre-order it, you've got the cut down cinematic rules and a scenario, so you've got our version of a smaller set of rules to use to try out. Right. Um, so it's not quite a starter set, but just by buying in early you get a sort of starter set to start tinkering around with now, which is quite an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, they, they've tried loads of formatting, haven't they? I'd forgotten about the way that they do that. You're right, it's more like a bundle deal, isn't it, as a as a, a, a onboarding thing. But I'm thinking about Forbidden Lands, which actually did come in a box. Hmm. Um, but that was that was a bit of a red herring, because that's, that's not really a starter set. It just happened to be a box that had two big hardback books in it and some other bits of paper. Um, no dice, and despite them having made nice dice yeah. uh, or cards or other bling, they weren't in there. And I don't think they've put together 
something in one box that you could start with but they, they sell a box set purely i think for the nostalgia of it being old school which which it isn't yeah i mean i don't know i'm in two minds about it because i bought that box set because it was cheap and looked nice yeah but i was also disappointed it didn't have a dice set in and some other stuff Mm-hmm. But then, if it had a dice set and some other stuff, it would have cost quite a bit more, and I probably wouldn't have bought it because it wouldn't have been, <laughs> been too expensive. So, it's, yeah. I mean, definitely in two minds about that. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a barrier for a lot of companies the fact they're just putting something in a box and getting it right just costs a lot more money. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, um, the one I wanted to talk about, uh, I'm just rapidly looking it up because I might not have my facts right in this one. Mouse Guard box set. Did you pick that one up, mate? You like a bit of mouse guard, don't you? I don't know if you ever picked up the box set for that. I didn't. I know people that did. Yeah. So that was um, that was like really nice production values with like loads of cool stuff in it. Did, was that billed as a starter set? Do you think, mate? I'm I'm rapidly researching now. Sorry, I should have prepared this one a bit better. But that's all right. I'll, I'll race you on Google and try and bluff. Because <laughs> <while> we... <laughs> okay. mouse guard, no. the way that I had it was as a was a, a hardback. More old school, uh, as in old school traditional um, role playing product, hardback book, color, text, read read from page one, read all the way through it, generate characters. Here's everything you need to play the game. Yeah, so, so I think that box set was more a deluxe set, deluxe edition. So you, you got extras rather than being for for starters. I think you got extra bling. Although um, I'm not entirely convinced by the extras. I think when I had a look at okay. it. Um, you got some like oversized sort of mouse figurines that mm. I'm not really sure why you'd want them. Um, and then it's that weird thing where you've got, I think you had four, and it, that just doesn't feel enough for the number of plays you've got sometimes, and that right. kind of thing. I don't know. It, it, I mean, the good thing it had was things like um, the cards. So when you get into a, a fight or a challenge or whatever, you've kind of got attack, faint, distract, and all this kind of stuff. So it gave you them to hand out so you can pick dispositions mm. and things like that and do little equipment cards and cards for conditions. So there's a lot of blingy things in there that are worth having. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't think it counts as a starter set, to be honest. No, probably not. Uh, you put it on the shelf next to your Demogorgons, don't you? <laughs> uh, I'm not entirely sure. I want to say that it was a soft cover in the box as well, but I can't remember. It yeah. might not be. But I, I don't think it was like a stripped back rule set, was it? Or anything no, it like was that. full full game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And the decision okay. was, do I just buy the book or do I pay extra to get all the extra little bits and pieces? Okay. Because, well. of course, back in the day, back in the late 70s and the early 80s, all games came in boxes mm. with stuff. Now, they weren't starter sets. They were the game. Uh, so you would have in there your GM book or your pamphlets and your players bits and you'd have some more cardboard and maybe some characters and maybe some dice and a wax crayon if you were very lucky. Yeah. But those those were, you know, most games came in boxes. I, I remember my original gaming shelf was full of boxes with a couple of the books were really the supplements that you would buy to go with those. Rollmaster came in a box. You know, lots of things did, even if it just had little rule books within that sort of cardboard confines. And I know that VAT is a thing, certainly over here in Britain and and cost and all that kind of stuff but you know it's easier for people to sell stuff priced as a book rather than as a game despite we know their games <laughs> but you know i think I, I i miss boxes i think boxes are a nice thing really nice thing and uh in, in and i i'm more than happy to see the return of boxes definitely and i think i think there probably is a market for them now when you see 
how well stuff like uh, Expo uh, presents the board game industry to the world and how much people will spend on card games, war games, etc. And people will spend on role-playing games like with the Invisible Sun Big Black Box, the yeah. Big Cube. People will spend. Um, we've been... You know, we've we've spoken with uh, a friend of the show, Matt, offline, haven't we? About Beadle and Grimm's, who do the really deluxe stuff for D and D. That stuff's not cheap, but it really sells. Um, and every time Chaosium do like Master Nyalathotep again, and they put it in a different type of cover, but and they put more handouts in and and gold embossed and stuff, people lap that stuff up, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I think that's a fair point. That there's always been this. Resistance in the role playing hobby to people, to people buying books for some reason. Mm. They somehow feel they're, they're all like free games or something. But if you put it in a box and put extra bits in and call it a game, people are then willing to pay more money. So yep. that is interesting that perhaps with the, a rise of box sets, people might just get more willing to put money into it. Uh, where yeah. you've conversely, of course, got the international shipping is constantly going up and there's a never ending stream complaining about the price of things, getting things from America to here or whatever else. but what are you going to do? That's not a gaming industry problem. That's a postal problem. That's true. But one of the things that has hurt gaming over the years, uh, well, it's an argument, arguable, I suppose, is uh, is people uh, stealing PDFs and uh, free sharing stuff. But if you if you put out your stuff like FFG do with fancy dice and it comes in a box, it's a bit more difficult to just pinch that uh, and copy it. So that's that's people protecting their assets a little bit as well. Maybe having to having to sell stuff at a slight premium, but at least they get to keep all the money they're selling for. Yeah, and if you're rolling in costs as well, like I say, for, for five rings, you, there's like quite a bit of now of downloadable content on the website for free. Mm. So if you're doing an element of that, that kind of like, if you're pricing into your product that you bring out, also the additional cost of producing the PDF for the extra bit, mm. um, then that allows you to give that away for free. I think that's probably... That sort of takes away some of the sting from people trying to pirate things, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you, you give yeah. half the stuff away free anyway, so who cares? Um, <laughs> and it probably encourages more people to buy the original product, which, like I said, if it's got sexy stuff in it, makes it worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, was Le- Legend of Five Rings the last one you got, or was that Call of Cthulhu? Or? Uh, yeah, Five Rings is the most recent one. So, I've not properly read it, to be fair. I've just kind of like spread all the stuff out in a big circle of love. And go and clap my hands a lot and go, this looks cool. <laughs> and then tried reading the main real book because <laughs> I bought the, yeah. bought the starter set for the dice mainly. And then got all the free PDFs off the website. So I've done the usual thing. I splurged a lot of money on a game, bought a lot of stuff, downloaded loads of stuff, and then barely read any of it. But that's, you know, uh, it's people like me that keep the hobby alive. This is what you do you splurge on the main book, the great big fat hardback, because, you know, despite not wanting to spend money on books, people do want it in hardback not softback um, and then you, you, you kind of struggle to get through that so you think well sunken cost fallacy here what I need to do is get the starter set to enable me to read the big book because <laughs> that'll get that'll get my juices going because that's what I did with Starfinder because the big Starfinder yeah. book is there's quite a lot to it really Starfinder beginner box is cool and it's got loads of gubbins in it and little pawns and stuff like that and I, and I played it yeah. so you know it actually hit the table um, on the basis that that would that would give us enough uh enough momentum to take it forward into the big core book not quite happened but you know that's what you get and the, the sacrifice they had to make for that one by the way was it's a space game it's i quite like it anyway it's quite a cool sort of space fantasy game um but in the starter box the bit they decided to trim was anything to do with starships because 
<laughs> so now it's not a space game. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to happen a lot of science fiction games we play. People immediately Doesn't take the space out of it. <laughs> yeah, because that bit's hard. Ah! Uh, bless. <laughs> All right then. Well, we're getting close to time, so let's just do a quick review. Of if, if we were All putting right. a thing together, we want an ice yes. box of decent material that's not going to fall apart. We probably want whatever dice you want to play the, or need to play the game in the game, which is good. Mm-hmm. We can have some half-baked characters. We don't necessarily want the full rules, but we want enough to play at the table, and we want yeah. some choice for the players. Um, a good adventure, at least one, maybe more, but something mm-hmm. useful. Um, then you want some maps, tokens, blings, some other stuff that just makes it worthwhile having a box in the first place, to be honest. Yep. Is, is there anything else that we're missing there that wants to go in our starter set? I think we need a, we need like a GM's mat, not necessarily a screen, but just like their little quick references and bits and pieces so that you've got something to place around the table. And um, I think there, there's two more things you need. I think you need a coupon of some sort to encourage you to go and get the next thing or some directions to the next thing so and and not in a kind of a cheesy way but just like you know this is the other stuff that this is where your next steps should be if you want them to be um and then the last thing and this is really really important and you just don't see this enough i really miss the little catalogs that you used to get in in box sets you get one of ffg stuff i can tell you i've got i know (laughs) and they're really nice they're like the little things, aren't they? And you look through them and go, oh my goodness, there's loads of games here. Just looking through companies' catalogues, an old-fashioned paper catalogue of colourful mm. pictures of their stuff. That's what I want. Thank you very much. <laughs> I could do with that one. I'm glad you like them. <laughs> <laughs> and a piece of paper that says, read this first on the top of the box. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a good thing, actually, about the Cthulhu thing, is it, it labels the books. It's got like a... An initial flyer, nice. a couple of adverts that could do with it being down the bottom of the box, but then the books are one, two, and three, so you know which nice. one to read them in. So, that, I mean, that's... I don't know, I think we've mentioned it before, but it, it bears repeating that this feels like people are getting back into doing box sets again, and they've not yeah. quite... It's not got quite the, the decades of experience of doing it that means it's quite as refined. So we're certainly, or I'm certainly willing to forgive people for slight missteps and things at this point because they're just sort mm-hmm. of figuring it out for themselves, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so there's still a way to go, and box technology and print on demand is going to catch up with this stuff too, because we can do cards and so on. Uh, and I, I think I think you will see not just the big boys doing boxes. I think I think boxes are due a little bit of a comeback, just generally for stuff now. Mm. To be honest, I'm surprised Lamentations of the Flame Princess haven't done something boxy. Um, you know, because there's there's a lot happening with book binding and just the physical process of making lovely books and I know that friend of the show Dennis Detwiller says if it's not a honking great book it doesn't count in the industry and although I have a huge sympathy for that point of view because it's backed up by reality (laughs) it it may just be that you know that boxes boxes are becoming more of a thing um, given that we're getting to the sort of the the vanity publishing end of stuff now with our industry aren't we yeah I guess the only thing I'd add in is a good thing from the Warhammer box which has got um something for longevity so it's got a 64 uh-huh. page uh guide to uber's Reich, which is where the the thing's set for the, the star adventure and stuff uh, but that's got plenty of characters locations ideas plot hooks that kind of stuff which means yeah. that you don't just play your starter set and then look for your big book and work out what to do next it's 
there's enough stuff in there to give it some extra oomph so you get more play time out of it which I think is a good a good value add yeah I think actually that's a good shout mate I mean way back in the day I had the deluxe traveller set it's not a starter set but I bought it as a starter set because I thought it would have everything I need to play in it and it had your three little black books but it also had the Spinwood Marches um, which is virtually a universe to play in and um, and uh, you, you, I could still be playing that now um, there was plenty in there so that was quite nice to sort of give you more if you want it. Um, that's a good shout, mate. Yeah, because I think that is something when with, with most of the one, these that we've mentioned now is that if you went from a starter set to buy the main rule book, you still haven't got any more adventures or not much more no. in the way of adventures. So that's having something to do, even if you want to add more rules to it or get more deep into the games, paramount, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um I mean, and this will take us off into another podcast, but you know, my my lost my great white whale that I'm hunting down all the time is is how to present a role playing game through the medium of adventures, and that's something that starter sets are kind of trying to do by accident, hmm. um, and then not have the need for big core books and stuff like that afterwards, but just constantly be doing adventures that that support being able to play the game in different ways. So yeah, that's a thing. Uh, what about minis? We haven't talked about minis. Half in the Double Demogorgon incident. <laughs> You're not going to let that one go, eh? Nope. <laughs> uh, I think they're probably too expensive to put in. Right. I think you were right in terms of other formats that might come in. So I could see a world in which when everybody's got a 3D printer or access to one, you get a code to go away and print mm. one if you want. I think the, the production cost of making miniatures is probably too high and limiting that you know, if you don't want to use miniatures yourself, you've ended up with half a dozen miniatures you're never going to use, and don't want to yeah. pay, uh, and you've paid for them in some way or other. Um, but yeah, I could I could see a future world in which you get the code to print off as many zombies or stormtroopers as you want, or something like that. That yeah. could be a thing. Because you can't buy a board game these days without getting incredibly highly detailed miniatures. So mm. even if it's just for like you know the player pawns, they don't do anything apart from sit on a board. Huh. They're glorious. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, but then again, it's normally an extra add-on. So something like Terraforming True. Mars, which is a very nice game, uh, you can get a nice add-on box with little gold cubes and other things, but that costs more than the original game did. <laughs> so um, the cost of producing the extra bits, I guess board games have got the advantage of numbers and economies of scale and you know factories in China yeah. that pump this stuff out for them and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I do like the FFG idea that you get some pop-out little circles with some faces mm-hmm. on, because I think that's good enough. Because even if you're not using them as miniatures, you've got a little face or a little yeah. image at least to show players and go, this is the thing that's trying to chew your face off or speak to you yeah. or rub you or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. We've never solved the minis question in role-playing anyway. That's no. like 40 years. That question's been burning now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's that's it for us, I think, on starter sets. That's the beginning of the end, or the end of the beginning. Yeah, we're en- ending the start. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was going to try and go to a Churchill quote then, but I'm probably asking too much Best of myself. Not. Yeah. Best not. No, the timing's all wrong for that. Please don't go to Churchill. <laughs> yeah, I haven't dared look at politics today. That's, that'd be a bad idea. Um, yeah. So, instead of politicians, let's thank all our patrons. Yeah, oh, good. Well done. Nice save. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There are many of you, and you are glorious. Thanks very much for your continued support, or new support, if you are new to us uh, recently. 
because uh, every little penny helps with the value of the pound falling through the floor and everything else. Uh, it's great to have people on board uh, like Tim, John, Adrian and the others that have joined us this month and of course all our long-serving and long-suffering patrons who kept us going through the years. It helps the web hosting costs, buying new microphones and getting us to conventions and other things like that. Yeah, no, seriously, guys, if it weren't for the donations, I mean, me and Gaz might still talk, but I doubt we'd be able to knock it into shape for you. We do do it because we want to, but you enable us to do that. So thank you so much for keeping our show on the road. Yep, uh, uh, thanks for the little prompt to use this as one of our topics. We did mention it in a previous podcast, but uh, thanks to a couple of our glorious listeners who got in touch to say they'd like to hear more about it. So hopefully this episode's been of some use. Uh, And if you have any thoughts or think we've missed anything, do feel free to get us on the Twitters at the Smart Party or the Smart Party at hotmail.com if you want to email or on Facebook or one of the many other channels in which you can get to us. Yeah, we're everywhere. See you next time when we talk about other stuff about gaming. Bye for now. Oh, 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 oh,